Hey everybody, really great and efficient episode of The Morning Show. We discussed the continued February crypto rally and what it might mean for the rest of the month in the crypto markets. Franklin, the iconic Bored Ape holder, sold his Bored Ape and there is backlash coming towards Yuga Labs right now. And we also covered two upcoming mints that you should be keeping your eyes open for. Uh, overall, it is a great episode of The Morning Show and I really hope you enjoy it. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Friday, February 9th, you tuned into the Nifty Podcast. Today, we have a lot of meat on the bone here, so we're going to get right into it. We're going to discuss the continued February 2024 crypto rally and what it might mean for the rest of the month. We'll touch on Franklin, the legendary uh, Bored Ape Yacht Club owner and trader, selling his Bored Ape and the latest backlash for Yuga Labs. And last but not least, we will cover two upcoming mints that you need to watch for next week. A lot of action to be discussed here today. Clemente, how are you doing this morning, buddy? Fantastic. I'm fired up. Um, I'm happy for everyone that their bags are pumping. Uh, for some reason, Theo, the way you tweet when things are pumping, you're like, hey, didn't I call it? How do you, hey, who told me to sell the news? What's up? And you just dunk on everyone. Do I? I, I don't. I, I'm not, you know, consciously doing that. I, I'm just. What, what do you mean? Pio said Solana was going to zero. <laughs> that was a joke, obviously. But um, it didn't sound like a joke. It sounded pretty serious. And he said we should sell everything. No, I didn't. I have a um, hundred thousand dollars of Solana, so needless to say, I do have FOMO from you guys in New York. Dinner with Bunny and Easy looked like an absolute blast. Where'd you guys go? A little Italian place? Italian joint. Easy got a pizza. That I was like, oh, that looks like a pretty good pizza. Like, maybe should also get that pizza. Didn't end up getting it. Didn't end up getting pizza's it. Pizza's great, Bia. Pizza's absolutely great. It, it, recommend. Good. It, recommend. It, it looked really good. It was an Italian pizza. They had the brick ovens and all that. It was uh, it was pretty cool. Um, it, it, it was an absolute blast, Clemente. You, you wish you were there. I do. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> no one invited me to New York. I'll tell you that. <laughs> You lived in New York briefly, uh, Clemente, um, but we will do a team offsite down in Miami. You'll you'll get a chance to to go to dinners with us and all that. Um, look, let's just get into it. Let's do a little weather report. Signal, please, whenever you have a minute, you can take it away. Yeah, absolutely, folks. It is Friday, the February the 9th. That ETH market volume is coming in at 24.6 million. Solana market volume coming in at 11.2. And market leaders, well, they are cooking. We've got Pudgy Penguins up another 5% to 18.4 ETH. Pandora up 15% to 12 ETH. Those little foggy friends, though, they're down. They're down more than 60%. And Kaiju Kings, they're up over 30% to 0.28 ETH floor. Over the past 24 hours, what are the top four stories? Well, firstly, obviously, it's crypto and it's rallying hard. You've got Bitcoin leading. That's up over $47,000, actually up to its pre-Bitcoin ETF levels. Uh, ETH is up 4% to 2500 And Solana, it's not stopping. It's up over $100 to 105 The leaders are outgaining the alts at the moment, as most are still holding steady or up at least 2 to 4%. On to the second story of the day, and it's Franklin. This is going to be a sad one for those who, who uh, were around. One of the most notable NFT collectors and traders of 2022 and 2023. He has sold his iconic gold fur eight for 275 ETH, which is what many believe to be his last great flip, as he bought it for four ETH in May 2021. 
One of his most notable flips actually includes buying Nick's board ape from him only to sell it for six ETH profit 24 hours later. Franklin, we love you. On to uh, Ordinals, and it was a first red day across the board for the ecosystem in recent memory. Those quantum cats are down to 0.25 BTC after their first evolution. And the Arsic runes are also down about 30% to 0.08 BTC after Casey Rodemore hinted at the possibility of Arsic not being one of the first nine tokens inscribed on the runes protocol. And then lastly, it was trouble for Yuga Gams Lake. Yuga Labs Gaming once again after their loot mint for the Legends of the Mara game was done on ETH with users experience high gas fees and the loot NFTs only being tradable on X2Y2 to honor creator royalties. After strong backlash from the community, the chief gaming officer first, propo first proposed a catalyst NFT to all minters in Q1 before then taking it back and saying it was a total overreaction and instead offered a reimbursement for gas fees. That is all for the weather report. It is back to you folks in the studio. Fantastic and concise weather report from Signal. Great job there as usual. Some updates from the Daily Bone uh, newsletter that's posted to X platform every morning and pinned up top. It's emailed to anyone that subscribes at dailybones.com. The first Solana Saga 2 leaderboard snapshot was taken with the top 1500 able to claim a non-transferable element NFT. Uh, who made this? What, what? Who made this? This is from the, the Saga team. I believe... This non-transferable NFT, the people that place in the top 1,500 uh, get prizes from the sponsors that they partnered up with. But easy, I'm not sure if I'm I'm missing anything here. No, I think you're spot on. I think that is what's going on with it. It's like the Genesis token from the first saga. This seems to be their Chapter 2 reward token. We'll see what happens with it. I haven't seen any major sponsors, but I think this is the best way that they're going to reward the like 80,000 pre-sales that they've sold. Well, okay, yeah. Signal, did you get one? No, I didn't go for the second phone. Um, look, I wanted the first phone. I missed the first phone. They gave an opportunity to the second phone. I just am going to skip it this time. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I fumbled the bag here, but I don't want to do a phone play this year. Uh, like I've decided <laughs> that is so that is so January 2024, and my portfolio does not need like phone allocation. It it, it just doesn't know. Skipping. I'm coming clean. I'm coming clean right now. I don't know anything about the phone stuff. And when people are like, when people are talking about like the phone gets airdrops, I'm like, I just don't even know what you're talking about. But shout out to all the phone people, you know, benefiting from the phone. I'm, I'm, I'm not totally sure. Anyway, uh, next story. Ordinals Gang sells out their sub 1K inscription 21 supply collection for one Bitcoin each. The collection currently has a 1.9 Bitcoin floor with no sales yet. So um, so it's not really a 1.9 Bitcoin floor. We'll find out. As soon as there's one sale, we can declare what the floor actually is. Uh, it is an, I had a conversation with somebody that we've been working with uh, that actually does run an Ordinals collection. And it was fascinating to hear, um, I don't know, I guess the reality of it. And also, it is right now is such an interesting time with Ordinals. You like right now with Ordinals, if you just put something out, you can make like a half a million to two million dollars easily. And and there's no obligation. You don't have to do anything. I feel like all the 2021 NFT people aren't aware of this. Otherwise, they'd all come out and try to drop ordinals collections because that's like exactly what they want from uh, like a structure. Uh, Nick, you have your hand raised. What's going on? Yeah, I'm excited to announce our ordinals collection. Um, <laughs> really excited about that. Uh, it's uh, Bordinals. So that's what we're going to be launching there. The uh, 
the thing I was going to say, Pio, is uh, when did we introduce Daily Bones to to dot com to the uh, to, to the like the words that we used on this show? Was that just thrown in today spontaneously? Uh, Clemente can answer that question, man. He wrote it in the call sheet. It was. It was. I I added it in there. Um, I don't know. I thought it was ready for its debut. I wanted to. You you just single handedly made that decision without any sort of co- commentary or discussion. Okay, all right. Just it was just trying to figure out where that came from. Now we know the source. Um, we'll get back to the show. We'll have a conversation about this later. <laughs> uh, next story: We have the ERC four hundred four update, and so this is pretty juicy for the people that like technical stuff. Clemente, well, we've been covering this the last couple of days. Um, the the big one the kind of first one to hit the market was Pandora. Uh, these are up to, they're continuing to rally. They're up to a, they hit 12.5 ETH after they were literally 0.5 uh, literally last week. Uh, so they're continuing to rally. Their token is also up, but pretty much everywhere else it's down. Those defrogs that we covered yesterday, they're down 50% to 0.8 ETH. Uh, the token, uh, associated token is down 35%. Um, Monarch is up, but overall, Pio, we are seeing a pullback across the board for the, the ERC-404 tokens. Um, I will also attach an explainer thread uh, up top, and I will pin it for anyone that was curious on what these are, because we're still a little bit confused by it, to be honest, on, on exactly what it means. But it's just added liquidity, basically, to, to NFTs by adding a token to it. I saw, um, what's his name? Gabriel Haynes put out a video. Did you see that video, uh, Clemente? I no. go, quickly go to Gabriel Haynes's profile if you could, because uh, I feel like he gave a really thorough explanation uh, as he typically does. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know who Gabriel Haynes is, he does like a really great job of just like super like breaking down super tech, complex technical stuff in like a really simple and easy to understand way. A lot of the videos are like kind of bite sized pieces, really, really easy to understand this stuff. Um, Clemente, I think it's probably the most, I mean, he's posted a lot of analysis on his Twitter account, so there might be like other stuff ahead of it, but it's probably the most recent video that you see on the account. Um, could you pull it up here? It, it, yeah, there, there we go. Like, yeah. Could you run this one real quick? It's not that complicated. It's a 404 standard. It's a fungible, non-fungible token. It's an ERC. That's an NFT. You can trade it on OpenSea. You can trade it on Uniswap. That's shape. When you buy it, it burns. When you sell it, it burns. It doesn't matter. It's a... What, what do you... What do you mean? Why is it important? <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's pretty funny. All right. Anyway, uh, I just got a kick out of that one. That was one of his better ones, I think. Anyway, next uh, story. So we have this pebbles by next gen okay which so this is seen as the art blocks of the memes by 6529 ecosystem interesting narrative okay minted out a 1000 supply collection for 0.06529 ethereum it peaked at 1.3 ethereum goodness gracious it's now at 0.65 ethereum so uh, i'm assuming you had to have other pieces in the uh the memes by six, five, two, nine ecosystem to be able to get this. Well, so that, that thing is still going. So when you think about it, that went all through the bear market and is, is it going to continue to, to go or is the, yeah, I mean, if they built this, so there's going to be continued drops, I believe is more of an art focused uh, piece, but yeah, you just continue to put them out there. This is kind of like the, yeah, like you were saying, the art blocks part of it uh, versus memes. 
Well, the hard part is over because the the bear market's done. Uh, wow. So I feel like if people had been just buying these ERC 1155s for the entire bear market, they're probably in a pretty strong position if these are going to keep dropping and the price is going to keep going up. Pretty interesting. Anyway, those are your stories from the Daily Digest. Uh, first topic of conversation for today is, of course, the price action uh, in fungible tokens. This kind of crypto rally, we have Bitcoin above 47,000. Looks like Ethereum is up a little bit, 4%. Solana north of 100 dollars the dim token has actually doubled since this debut the high yesterday was eight dollars and 30 cents before pulling back to seven dollars and 70 cents easy do you still have your dim token i do not i sold it yesterday gotcha officially out yeah i sold it yesterday for seven dollars and 90 cents i think is what i managed to do uh shout out guapo who was the one that helped walk me through it and get that out of my wallet because i have no idea what i was doing Absolutely. Easy. How did you sell it? Because I always see a lot of people in Discord and the timeline being like, how do I floor this thing? And so I had curious, to transfer to MexC, the exchange. I had to go to MexC, sell it on MexC, and then withdraw it as USDT on Solana. Gotcha. So everyone who wants to floor dimension at $7, that's how you do it. MexC, USDT, yeah. withdraw it to Solana. Got it. Because there's no DEXs to, like, swap it. There's nowhere to, like, move this into the actual tokens I want. Mexi is, like, the closest thing to a DEX, I guess you could say, just because of the lack of KYC. I will happily be paying taxes on this. Shout out the IRS. But that is, like, the main thing was a bunch of people were like, yeah, I had to go to some centralized exchange, Binance, KuCoin, to get this out. And I was just like, man, if a DEX opened up, this thing would see absurd amounts of volume. And sorry, just one follow up. Why did you did you sell 100% or did you stake some? Yeah, I sold all of it, 100%. Why didn't you stake some? I did not enjoy my experience on the chain. The first day, just kind of clunky. The other thing, like my main concern is like if we're doing this whole ZK rollups thing in a modular blockchain, I've already placed my bets. It's on the Cosmos ecosystem, which people are actively using. I couldn't tell you one person who's, at, who's used Dimension before they got free money. Like... That's the main thing for me. I was like, I'm a big fan of Cosmos. I like Celestia. I like Adam. I like uh, Say and all these other pieces that are like the modular ecosystems. I don't know anybody who's ever used Dimension. So I was like, that doesn't really feel very feasible to me. When you stake it, 21 day lockup. So like there is an inherent short squeeze going on. And then it's also the lack of ability for people to sell this. I'm like, it's kind of a concern. Like many people don't know how to sell it. So like clearly the price isn't going down. Well, it's good that you figured it out. Uh, look, look at that. Uh, not surprised that Easy was able to figure it out. On the kind of crypto rally, Easy, uh, have you been charting this at all? Like what are you paying attention to? I saw a couple of tweets. It's actually possible that Bitcoin never goes under $40,000 again, which is pretty interesting. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on what we're seeing? We're going to 50K on Bitcoin, in my opinion. That's where I'm looking right now is 51.5 area. I think Solana gets back to 120 before a retrace. And I think ETH can finally touch 3K. Those are kind of my targets right now. It'll be interesting to see. I think ETH may actually lead this rally as crazy as it sounds. Uh, obviously, the corn is up nicely. But I think ETH is finally going to play some catch up as where it's kind of just been trading in this range. It the last 48 hours, it's shown some serious signs of strength. So I think we may actually get up a little closer to that 3K number. Well, it would be overdue for ETH to actually have a bit of a rally. Uh, Nick has his hand raised. Uh, Nick, I don't know if you saw my most recent text to you, but Nick, what's going on? I did. Yo, I'm a, if I want to comment on the technical state of things, maybe I want to comment on the technical state of things. Is that okay? It, it is okay. Yes. 
<laughs> I just wanted to say something associated with this, which is the uh, uh, the Bitcoin level is basically tapped off exactly where uh, its current resistance is, which is I had the line drawn at four seven 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 four, and it's bounced off of that. So it's got to break through that. It was not able to get it, uh, above that on the previous uh, rally. So that's something uh, to take a look at. It is showing, showing strength to Easy's point. Uh, ETH did break over um, its typical resistance level around 2508, but uh, it, it's got rejected as well. So, like, uh, I don't know that it'll never go back. Um, although you said 40K PO, uh, the, the level that I have for that is uh, 41232, but it's still trading in its range. So, it's not yet out of it. It hasn't broken out, uh, but all these things are showing. Uh, incredible strength at the moment but again it's still within that range so uh it's like it's awesome though i wouldn't be uh buying here i'd be waiting for a confirmation above uh one question nick so it looks like the having is literally slated for 420 which is absolutely hilarious if it does play out that way and the bitcoin having happens on 420 i feel like that'll go to, that'll be legendary between the 69k all-time high of previous cycle and then a 420 having right now it's just, it's almost going to feel, I don't know, it's just wild that it could uh, play out that way. Do you think that there's any possibility, Nick, when you look at the kind of technical state of things and you think about the fact that it would be over two months until the halving? So there's a, a solid call it 75 days before this halving actually happens that we go above all time high prior to the halving. Dude, I don't pay attention. The, the halving cycle is less interesting to me of when, when that happens. I know there's a lot of people that look at that, there's just target prices. I have no idea what day that'll happen. Um, anything's possible. The bigger thing that's a little bit ridiculous is uh, crypto has been in sort of sideways movement while the S&P has been hitting all-time highs. Mm -hmm. And we've just ha been having like this monster bull market in the, in the, on the stock side of things. Uh, Disney, which we discussed five months ago when it was at all-time or like significant lows, and we, uh, I was like, we should get this just like uh, blew out earnings yesterday. And there's a lot of other uh, stocks that are doing really well, which are up 25, 30, 50%. Facebook had the, their, or I guess Meta is their name. But um, all, all, the, the stock market's been on a huge rally and crypto has not been keeping up with that. Instead, it's just been uh, sideways for a bit, or as Easy calls it, a crab market. Um, so, Nick, did I you see no the idea. Disney deal? That just happened with Epic Games? With Fortnite? Yeah, that's yeah. one of the biggest stories. Did we I have that in the newsletter massive. there, Clemente? <laughs> Clemente missed that one, Nick. Oh, my God. <sighs> Their verbiage was the most interesting that. part because they mentioned increasing their exposure to virtual worlds, which I was like, oh, that's a pretty like interesting word choice because someone posted Metaverse. that. Comment. Yeah, but then they also posted the Yuga Labs other side comment which was like basically verbatim, but instead of virtual worlds, they said the virtual other side. And it was just like, okay, like this is, it's pretty interesting to start to see some synergies in the, uh, in the metaverse conversation, which also just makes me realize that buying metaverse land was probably the dumbest thing anybody could have done for an extended period of time. Or is it the smartest thing? Is it the smartest no, thing that you can no, do? No, no, because now you can, they're just opening it up for everyone to go and use it. Like you don't need to own the land. Just go into Fortnite and press play. That's it. It's that cool. easy. 
the the problem was that the thesis was about owning the land and not making a great game. Fortnite still has millions of people that are using uh, their platform. They also now have a licensing deal with basically all of Disney's biggest brands, um, and and that's being built inside Fortnite. So what what's the play? Like basically the Epic closing stock. the uh, well, no, I was going to say closing the partnership, not what's the play to invest in that trade, but I like that. But the thing I was going to say is what's the play for like other side in some of these places, they have to build that not only the game, but they also have to build, uh, they have to use their own IP is like, I mean, Disney's one of the biggest IP like brands basically, or they own like a bunch of the biggest brands. It's not like they own every brand, but if, if that partnership path is the route and having a large game with a lot of users on it is the uh, thing that attracts people, or sorry, attracts brands for partnerships, Yuga's got a long road ahead here um, when it comes to being able to build out uh, sort of the, the other side and the entire, all the business value associated with it. That said, their, their new game uh, looks really interesting and, I'm assuming that a lot of those assets that they 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 launched an entire we didn't discuss that either, which was the um the new Yuga game and how there's a marketplace for creators um to like go uh, design in-game assets. Uh, like they're building out that whole side of things. I'm assuming it's all on chain. It's pretty cool, but regardless of w- what their path is, like Epic just came in and was like. Boom! We got all the partners. Yeah, well, but Nick, you just, like, just oh, sorry. sorry, I was just saying, like to your point, when Daniel's on the show, he did sort of, you know, state that that's not the path they're trying to t- take, and he used the analogy of YouTube, where he said, like YouTube at the beginning, after the cats and the you know babies biting their thing, Charlie biting his finger or his baby's finger, whatever. After that stage, they tried to be the Netflix, and then that didn't work, and then it became this creators hub where the IP came from creators. Um, and last week, what I took away from that is that he's not trying to be Netflix. In fact, he's more trying to be um, YouTube in its early days where other side will be a place for creators to come and bring their IP. And then that's how that ecosystem will flourish. So I think the the path to monetization will be probably quite different from what, say, Disney and Epic Games is trying to do uh, versus what Yuga is trying to do. Well, that. That was a phenomenal signal, I think. <laughs> like, I was listening, Nick. I was actually listening to Daniel last week. <laughs> well, appreciate you sharing it, resharing it on here because that's uh, incredibly insightful and uh, is great uh, a great way of approaching things. That I, I think the biggest thing, though, is still they like who's going to build the best platform. But I, I like that they're carving that area versus going down the direct competition. I'm assuming he also knew that this announcement was coming, so it was proactive. Uh, pro- like that was basically the one message to get across is like almost a um, proactive defense, basically against uh, any criticism. Well, we'll have to see how it ends up playing out. Um, Yuga Labs, a lot going on there. Bunny has his hand raised. Bunny, what's going on? Yeah, Bozo moved by Disney to try to go toe to toe with Yuga Labs on this. Nobody wants to hang out in some Mickey Mouse metaverse. Like, they're going to want to be in the clubhouse, in the swamp, with the Bored Apes, which is the most well-respected community within crypto. 
Well, well, there you go. Uh, and that uh, I couldn't have said it better myself there, Bunny. Anyway, next uh, item is the uh, the Jupe token is continuing its dip now down to 50 cents since the Jupe liquidity was removed from the DLMM. What, what does DLMM stand for? It's a dual-sided liquidity model. It's a okay. yeah, dual liquidity market maker, I think is what it is. So it's where you can put stop loss mechanics and like upside buy pressure to limit potential blow off tops. They removed all of the Jupiter from it. It's only USDC sitting at like 48 cents and upwards. So we are just seeing continued profit taking on this. They're supposedly phasing it out over the next couple of weeks, if not months. Yeah, I'm still holding about 40% of mine. Not great. Not great. At gonna- what price? At what price are you a buyer? Easy, because I, you know, we we compare this to Uniswap's launch and and kind of how it was a multi-month, three, four, five, six month ramp up before it really started cooking. Obviously, we're still in the beginning stages of this year, but at what price point would you would you potentially buy this? The reason why I ask is I'm not I don't have exposure to it. I didn't get the Jupe airdrop, so I'm I kind of want exposure, but I don't like the continued dip. Uh, forty four cents. Why forty four? Because it's under 48. Got it's it. basically that simple. They got the buy order set at 48, and uh, I like numbers that are the same. So that's the number I'm throwing out there. I think anything under 48 cents should become more interesting, considering that's where the buy pressure is supposed to be at. Uh, I like As soon as they announce the next LFG, which is their launch pad for the token, whether it's Sharkify or this DEX or another protocol, I do think we're going to see some buy pressure start to happen because the belief is if you stake it, we'll end up getting allocation to that token. So I think anywhere near that 48 cents area, 47 cents under that is where I'm like, okay, maybe maybe we start to deploy a little more capital, a little more aggressively. And and do you think, I didn't read the the white paper, their plans for the, the LFG launch pad. Is it that if you're staked, kind of depending on how much you have staked, then you get a percentage of the allocation. Obviously, bigger holders would get more. There's no context on it. That's the thing. We don't know what the actual situation is. The other thing I'm most interested in is seeing what their DAO does and how they start to reward that. Because that thing has got like $60 million in funding right now. So it's not a small DAO at all. And they said that they want to reward creators. So I'm like, okay, let's see how they plan to do this. Because that's where I'm most interested. It's like, what way are they going to reward creators and market participants and DAO and governance users? Because there hasn't been a majorly successful model for this. But if anyone's going to do it, I'm probably going to put my my wagon on the horse that has $60 million to figure something out. Did you see uh, that Meow, and and I'm getting the, the the hint that Meow is a very like experimental guy. He's just like, let's just try a bunch of shit. Um, that he tweeted out that it could be a fun idea to give anyone that has a uh, over 5K jupe could get a free mint for a jupe PFP. And that the DAO could potentially fund mm, it. Yeah, I mean, the DAO would have to vote on that. They would have to make that executive decision to do so. The DAO could basically do anything. Like, that's the benefit of a DAO. They could be like, dude, let's dump all this into Solana and just do Solana instead of the token. Or they could say, let's bridge Jupiter to AVAX. You know, like, the benefit of a DAO, it comes down to a vote, and then you just figure out what to do with it. So who knows what's going to happen? It'll be really interesting to see kind of this play out and where people go with it. 
Well, there you go. We'll have to see what happens with the Jupe token. Uh, I don't know what the future for something like this could be. We'll have to uh, see, you know, just how it plays out. Two upcoming mints on Solana getting a lot of attention. Marms on Solana are rumored to be minting next week, possibly February 14th. That's going to be a 5,555 supply collection. The whitelist spots are already now selling for two to three Solana each. Um, and they made an announcement yesterday for which basically allows people to pay 0.1 Solana for a 25% chance to win a whitelist spot. And if you lose, you get an NFT that can be used to gamble for merch. So definitely leaning into uh, the gambling side. Clemente, something to add? No, the, I mean, it was basically that. They, the the tickets got botted to hell. There's another uh, ticket sale happening today at 11 a.m. Eastern, Pio. Um, I, I mean, I'm curious for easy thoughts on this, but it, this feels like, and what the Bodago's Discord sentiment is like, is that this could be a pretty hyped mint. It could potentially be the next uh, mint to perform well on Salon. I believe that's rumored to be minting next week, right, Easy? Yeah, I mean, yeah, they're saying potentially next week. We'll see because Marmival is what they launched. That's what they're calling it, the Marmival instead of Carnival. <laughs> yeah, creative. I love them, you know. But I do think that this is the excitement phase right now. We just saw Sandbar mint for 1.5 open up around 4.5. That's a clean 3x. We saw Crypto Undeads mint for 3 open up at nine, a little higher. What, what uh, are undeads at now? 6.6. .6. Got it. So still two and a half X right now. Yep. Uh, and these, I believe, are minting for two soul. Oh, honestly, two soul. So yeah, I mean, we luckily were able to give a bunch of them to the Bodago's Discord. But I'm excited for it. Uh, I like them. They're cute. Like this is cute art. They're fat little chipmunks. <laughs> Our marmosets, is that what they are? I think it's what the actual animal is. Yeah, well, well, there you go. We'll have to see how this one plays out. Another hyped mint on souls. Bull market vibes for sure. Next story, Flora forms on Bitcoin. It looks like Clemente uh, has the scoop on this. This is a 10,000 supply Bitcoin collection. It's a free mint on February 14th. So a lot of Valentine's Day action here. Uh, the artist is Harto, H-A-R-T-O. It's the same artist behind Golden Ratio on Bitcoin, which is one of the leading art collections on Ordinals. Uh, Clemente, what do people need to know about this one? Yeah, the interesting thing here is obviously it's a free mint. The pre-sale spots that have been given out have been selling for two, three hundred bucks. Um, Marto, obviously, golden ratio is the the number one collection uh, art collection on Bitcoin. So this is a, a highly respected artist. The one thing I wanted to know that that we found is that people can actually enter to win a uh, an allow list spot. Anyone can enter in it. I'm going to pin it up top and and share it in the YouTube. But there's no harm in ending and entering in this. 24 hours it's going to be open um and if you win it's like basically a free 300 bucks so i'll i'll pin it i'll share it on twitter for anyone that that wants to enter well there you go a little bit of instruction coming from clemente quick hitter uh we had a a news story i guess you could call it news in the nft space yesterday franklin uh an iconic board ape collector at this point an nft trading uh individual has sold his signature gold ape uh i don't think we know who the buyer is sold for 600 and something thousand 670,000 us dollars so big old sale right there from franklin's ape clemente maybe you can pull up the ape so that i'm sure a lot of people are familiar with it if they're familiar with nfts um you know i, I want to share one thing is that when i first got into nfts i thought it was interesting the attention that people got just for buying nfts you know like i thought that was like interesting i was like oh like so they're just buying nfts and everyone's like oh shit like you know 
look at that person. And people were like building audience just off of buying NFTs. I feel like Franklin kind of, you know, encapsulates that entire thing in a significant way. Like he bought a lot of NFTs, ended up with over 100,000 Twitter followers. I remember like K Money did like an interview with him in a van and it was the first time anybody saw Franklin and that basically went viral on crypto Twitter. I just remember going through this process where it was just so hard for me to understand. I was like, okay, so he like bought, you know, he bought NFTs. It's not like he hit the game-winning three in the NBA Finals. I just couldn't understand like that whole thing. But it was kind of an introduction to crypto culture, NFT culture, and and the things that people are interested in in our industry. Uh, see a little cosign right there from Gordon Goner saying, "Hope you're well, Franklin." Also, like the move of just a black circle for his profile picture. Now it's that's like pretty, you know, that that's pretty deep right there. Like it's just it's empty now. It's empty, right? Like, so that's uh, definitely interesting. You got 11 bucks I see uh, from Elon Musk without ha writing a single tweet. And this is a signature tweet right here from this guy. He said, I made $11 in four months, 18 days without making a single X post. Thank you, Elon Musk. Always like um, grateful for the gains, if you will. He would post like, you know, I bought $25,000 of Azuki's yesterday and I, or, or of beans yesterday. And I sold them today for $25,000 and six bucks on top of that, you know? So grateful for the gains, but. I'm curious how Bunny feels about it. I, I know you looked up to him a lot, uh, Bunny. Was this impactful for you after seeing that yesterday? I think it sucks to lose such a prominent community member always. Um, he's kind of been MIA for a while. Um, but to see him sell the PFP, it's, I, I would say it's probably the most iconic ape that exists on crypto Twitter, right? Like Even more so, I would say it's more recognizable than even Gordon's ape, to be completely honest. So it is a big loss for the community. Uh, yeah, same as Gordon, though. Like, I just hope he's doing all right. I agree, man. It's really sad. I like. I don't know what it is. When I saw that news, like, I just felt sad. And like, the thing about this space is that there's so many different types of characters. It's 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 his own movie. There's like, you've got the villains, you've got the good people, you've got the polarizing figures, you've got the funny people. Like, like seeing Franklin go, I was like, damn, man, that's like really end of an era. And it coincided with, you know, what we'll talk about later with like what's been happening on Lottom and like the direction and mistakes that Yuga have been making at the moment. And it just felt like this transition, like Franklin represented the best of 2021, 2022. Why Bunny has not changed, you know, his PFP. It was that like camaraderie and community and seeing him go. And then the next page that we turn was the Lottom fumble on the mint and all this, like, you fumbled the bag, you messed up, Yuga, how can you not know to do, do this on, you know, an L1, etc. It just felt like that's Yuga's current chapter. So, yeah, I was really sad to see Franklin. And, and uh, yeah, hope he's well, man. Hope he's well. It's, it's iconic, that ape. Yeah, I mean, Signal's right about the characters. And, you know, we at one point actually had Ben Mesrick on the show. He is the author of the book, uh, The Accidental Billionaires, which became the social network. He partners with people like Aaron Sorkin and, um, you know, filmmakers that want to make, you know, want to tell some of these stories. He kind of writes a book that is written with the intention of becoming a movie. He wrote the book Dumb Money, which became the film Dumb Money that I've seen people talk about on Twitter now, I guess because it hit Netflix. And so, everyone can see it now. Nobody goes to the movies anymore. So nobody cared when it was in the movies, but people watched it on Netflix. And we asked him what he would do for a crypto movie. And he said, first of all, he wants to do a crypto movie. That's number one. Second of all, 
And this was before Dumb Money came out. So this was when he was like starting to finish Dumb Money. Second of all, he said that um, he thinks crypto will reach sort of, quote, mass adoption when there's a big movie. Um, I wonder if he changes his tune now because nobody cares about movies and it seems like people only care about shows. But anyway, that's besides the point. He said that the three characters that would be in an, a crypto slash NFT movie would be the guy that sort of lives in his basement and made a ridiculous amount of money by buying some crypto asset for low and then it went really, really high and suddenly he's rich. So the sort of, you know, the kind of crypto twi uh, trader that has a big story, that's kind of Franklin a little bit. Obviously, he wasn't like living in his basement, had a good job, but that's kind of like the archetype that Franklin would fit into. Uh, he said the scammer, right, the criminal that's stealing from people, right? Because that is kind of a core archetype in crypto, right? The technology lends itself uh, to being really easy to steal money. And so scammers get attracted. And then the third would be like the artist, the artist that was struggling. And then when they plugged into this ecosystem, you know, ended up seeing success with their art. So anyway, we'll have to see what happens. Hope uh, Franklin's doing well. Very, uh, you know, interesting little storyline there in the NFT space. Uh, next story, Ordinals is having a bit of a pullback. So we saw the RSIC runes experience a 30% dip to 0.08 Bitcoins after being up only for the last two weeks. Quantum Cats pulling back to 0.26 Bitcoins. Uh, the thing that I'm interested in is, I think on the Ethereum side, because we've seen so much action in the past with NFTs, I wouldn't be surprised if as Ethereum pumps, you know, obviously there's like NFT pullbacks, but then ultimately there can be rallies in NFTs and those rallies are crazy, right? When you think about the appreciation and price of Ethereum and then the appreciation and price in Ethereum terms of the NFT, you can really see some major price appreciation for sure. Um, but I wonder if we can expect the same thing on Bitcoin because it's such a newer market for NFT. So if Bitcoin, you know, let's say just gets to 80,000, 90,000 by the end of this calendar year, do we really think that these NFT projects are going to be able to sustain that level of price appreciation and actually have their own price appreciation in the face of Bitcoins, right? Like with Bitcoin as the unit of account there. Um, Easy, what do you make of some of the ordinals price action. How do you think that this year kind of plays out with if Bitcoin does continue to appreciate the way a lot of people think? Dude, I think ordinals continue to appreciate alongside Bitcoin. Yeah. Like, I don't think they're going to pull back. It's like the most interesting market dynamic I've seen where it doesn't seem like it's these hyperactive traders just largely because I think Bitcoin trades so slowly mm -hmm. and a lot of that stuff. So for me, I look at it and I'm like, I watched Quantum Cats open up at like 0.14 to 0.16 only to then 2x, clean 2x off that. Yeah, that was a steal. Yeah, it made like, and I just haven't fully been able to grasp a lot of it too. With these runes dropping too in the coming months, that's really interesting to me because RSIC went as high as 0.12. Slight pullback here to sub 0.1 or point, yeah, 0.1, right? Yeah, 0.1. Okay, yeah. I was like, oh, wait, hold up. Because the, the, the metrics of Bitcoin tend to confuse me because of just how valuable it is. The other thing is like these future airdrops with rug token and these other things are like, I think ordinals are going to continue to have their day. And as we see the prominent collections that get more of these airdrops, more people are going to want exposure to it, which is what we're seeing with like Solana DeFi right now is as more of these Solana DeFi protocols are rewarding people, more people are flocking to the next potential one. So if we start to see ordinals get good airdrops from runes, other ordinals, other BRC20s, more of the floor price actions like remaining positive, I think we're going to continue to see a liquidity injection even with Bitcoin rising. So it almost makes me more interested to get more ordinal exposure in anticipation of this. Like, 
Yeah, and that's the other thing. I, I do see Blade here saying the Arsic dip was in part to Casey Rodimer's podcast episode from yesterday. He said it's gonna it's going to hard code the first ten runes into the contract. So yeah, that's the thing is like now Arsic may not be the first ten, which is like everyone thought Arsic would be one of the first couple in there, and now it's not. So it's like losing its value knowing that it won't be in the top ten. But to me, that's still like I almost want to take the counter bet on that and just left curve the ever living hell out of it. And be like, this is the first rune that Casey Rodimer didn't cheat the system in because Bitcoin's a truly decentralized network and we can't stand for Casey Rodimer's centralized BS. All right. So we're all in on R6. I do own one. Uh, I sold my other one for like 0.05. So I'm an idiot. How, how'd then, you get it? I, I own two node monkeys, an OMB uh, that I minted, and a Bitcoin ninja. So I got it from that. And I got, so it turns out I got one of them. For having Bunny's Ape inscribed sub 100k. Yeah. So That's Sweeper commented on that yesterday and was like, I think you got one of those for having the sub 100k inscription. And I think he's right. But I think my other one was just pure happenstance for my ordinals bag. So like I lucked out just like making a joke about Bunny's Ape literally in February of last year. And that uh, turns out that now that is worth significantly more than i anticipated well it's because of the inscription right so that yeah. was uh that's crazy um yeah it took over a year for this stuff to play out but obviously a uh, very very significant anybody that was able to get in on ordinals uh you know early about literally one one year ago right that was when the whole ordinals craze happened people then said ordinals were dead which is hysterical nfts on layer one bitcoin are just randomly dead uh so that was really funny and obviously now they're back would you look at that clemente the, the people have stuck through it though, Pia. Like we, I mean, we hosted the Bitcoin show every Tuesday through that with a lot of the people like, uh, like Trevor, like Leonidas. And to see them now, like Leonidas is navigating a lot of this narrative uh, forward. Uh, it's kind of wild tweets that he sends out about runes, et cetera, like just hundreds of thousands of impressions, just crushing it. Um, the only other thing I was curious about is Oni Force has an ordinals mint, supposedly happening this month, which is mm -hmm. a 3,333 supply collection. I'm going to pull up the art because they teased it a little bit yesterday. I, I'm not too impressed by it, to be honest, but that's the big one to be monitoring as far as like an ETH collection coming to, to Bitcoin. And this is the Oni Force's new team uh, coming in and doing it. So this is pretty much their first collection. Right, because since they acquired Oni Force from right, this is the first like mint that this business is putting out. Uh, that'll be interesting. I mean, look, it's let me put it this way: it's a good time to be doing an ordinals project. At the end of the day, it's a good time to be doing an ordinals project. I want to understand what the narrative is around the the provenance of the Satoshis that they elect to put out because that's such like a sticking point for people that are buying Bitcoin NFTs. So we'll have to see, uh, you know, how it plays out. Look, the timing is really good. That's what I'm going to say. The timing's really, really good. I wonder how much they'll they'll push to raise from this. But um, yeah, if you're dropping an NFT collection right now, Ordinals is without question the chain to do it on, like just in terms of like right now. And there's like zero or basically zero uh, performance risk for so many of these collections because it's literally just like the, the collectible narrative is so much easier to push versus on Ethereum and Solana where it's like, oh, you have to do this roadmap. You have to, you're expected to do these things. With Ordinals, it's pretty much like, hey, there's, there's just provenance to it. Just hold it.
that that's not going to stick around long term. Like when you watch like, you know, uh, Taproot Wizards organization, Quantum Cats, you know, really kind of like drive things forward and start like, you know, building uh, essentially an ecosystem around what they're doing on Bitcoin. The, the longer that goes on and the further that progresses, the wider the gap becomes between people that are essentially just saying, we're not going to do anything. You should buy this just because of what it is and it's just really hard to get into that category you can well, get into have that you heard category. the motto for ordinals they're like for collectors collect traders trade is like the sentiment that ordinals has right now where it's just like they're collecting inscriptions they're collecting ordinals they're not there to trade which is like once you start to push a narrative like that people start to buy in and like believe in it and they're just like yeah i'm just collecting stuff i like and it becomes more like it really does translate and resonate with me from like uh physical collectible standpoint where you're just buying stuff you like and not too worried about where the price goes but over time if price goes up you're that much more excited and it's it's really interesting to see like the sentiment and the shift for people where like ordinals are all collectors collect and if you say you're in it for anything but the art they just kind of yell at you like you almost get bullied so so i get it but think about it like this let's say an ordinals 0.26 bitcoin right and then bitcoin goes to hundred and eighty thousand dollars, right and that so that's Point twenty, so that's like a forty-seven thousand dollar single inscription, right? I think at that point, cool collectors are collecting. Don't be surprised if some of those collectors sell that. Just, just putting it out there, you know. I, I will say, P.S. I've been following a lot more of, of Ordinals people on Twitter, and the balls on these guys—just—they throw their weight around. I haven't seen something like this in a while. Like, I, I remember back in the day, like in, in early 2022, you see these huge sweeps on ETH, like people just throwing around hundreds of thousands of dollars. I feel like we don't really see that as much nowadays on ETH, but I'm I'm looking at Bitcoin and I fall, I look at some of these people and someone's like, yeah, I just bought like 12 runes for like 600,000. I'm exaggerating, but like just disgusting amounts of money that these guys are throwing around like it's nothing. And I'm like, where does this money come from? And a lot of these guys are just early Bitcoin OGs that bought Bitcoin at like, you know, four figures or, or three figures, whatever it is, um, and are now just like sweeping these floors because they, they can. And it's kind of like a flex. Well, so today's February 9th, 2024. Uh, I know eight years sounds like a long time, but there's plenty of people that have been in crypto since 2016, right? Like Clemente, I'm sure you've heard some people say, oh, I've been in crypto since 2017. I've been in crypto since 2016. So exactly eight years ago, February 11th, 2016, how much do you think Bitcoin cost that day, Clemente? Uh, $500. $382. Right. So Ethereum costs way more than that right now. And you have some Ethereum, right, Clemente? Yeah. I think a lot of people listening to the show right now have multiple Ethereum. I think that's totally fair to say. Or NFTs on Ethereum, where if you liquidated all those NFTs, it would be two, three, four, five Ethereum, right? And Ethereum is essentially seven, eight X what this price of Bitcoin was. So there's a lot of people that bought a lot of Bitcoin in 2016 and did like hold it like hodl h-o-d-l was a saying in bitcoin for a long time you actually don't even hear it that much anymore but uh it's just a way of life now they've stopped saying it they've just accepted <laughs> this is what you it. have to do they're they're like if you say it. it it's weird we've all just been doing it grow up but, but no absolutely and when i think about it so like what i've been thinking about now right is like so 2030 comes around, 2032 comes around, Bitcoin's nearing a million dollars, right? 
it's a lot easier for me to accumulate a new half of a Bitcoin right now than it's going to be when it costs a million dollars. And I just saw, like, I just saw a tweet from Kix where Kix is basically talking about, oh, you shouldn't look at Bitcoin. You should look at like Prime Token or like something else that's going to 40x, right? And you can do the trader thing and you can get like a 40x and you can sell it for fiat and you can pay taxes on the fiat and everything. But if the money doesn't go back into Bitcoin, there's just a chance that in 2030, you're worth less than the guy that ended up holding the Bitcoin the whole time and was just focused on buying more Bitcoin. It's just a reality. Like when the numbers get so big, 0.1 Bitcoin with Bitcoin had a million bucks is a hundred grand. So it's a lot easier to get 0.1 Bitcoin right now for 4,700 bucks than it will be in 2030 or 2032 or 2034 for a hundred grand. I'm just saying. And so those same people that bought at 385 right now, back in 2016, that have a ton of Bitcoin, have hundreds of Bitcoin, maybe over a thousand Bitcoin. Some of them, Fred Krueger, when he was on the show, on the Bitcoin show, his quote was, I have way more than a hundred Bitcoins. He literally dropped it. I know people are probably thinking that sounds like a D-bag comment, but if you actually watch it in the context of when he said it, people loved it. People were like, oh! I love the way he said that, P.O. I absolutely oh. love the way. I've, I've got to say, that's probably one of my favorite interviews I've seen you do on the Bitcoin show. And it was awesome. The, it was awesome. And the, the, there were many things I took away. But the one thing that really stood in my head and I'm taking action on, it was like when he talked about, have you ever had the IRS? Have you ever had an IRS audit? And then you were like, yeah, no. He said, and have he you ever like, had a probe shoved up your butt was his next question. Exactly. But then what he followed that with was that buying the that buying the ETF was was the right thing to do from a tax point of view and I, and I and I've never really thought about it in, in like in this way but he's absolutely right like obviously you know you can hold bitcoin in the ledger of, of course but like if you want to hold it in a tax efficient way like having exposure to the BlackRock ETF just makes sense like there are many people for example who want to be able to pass their Bitcoin onto, you know, their children or the significant others if something was to happen to them. Like, how, like, how are you going to handle that? Are you, you going to be confident to give your seed phrase to your partner? Are they going to be able to figure this out? Have they shown any interest in your entire relationship of wanting to go further of like, hey, I, heard, I saw Bitcoin went up or I saw Bitcoin went down. You're really going to hand over like all your years of working crypto to them where, and, and give them a seed phrase? No. So for me, it was like, the, the biggest takeaway I took from that interview, it was like, number one, like tax efficiency, number two, have it in an ETF. And then number three, it just reduces that like future administration. It's a really like, not to pump PO's ego here, but guys, it's a really good interview. And anyone who's interested to like, hear some really deep key insights from the Freddie should definitely go and listen to it. Cause I learned a lot from him. Well, thank you very much. Signal R really appreciate it. Um, and to be clear, it's not that holding the ETF is better for you for taxes because keep in mind, ETFs do have fees associated. It's just more uh, with the current state of affairs of TradFi versus crypto. And when you think about how archaic the current crypto infrastructure is when it comes to like being recognized by TradFi, I've said this on the show before, I'll say it just briefly. Bitcoin is like Bitcoin, Solana, Ethereum. These things are not acknowledged by banks as assets. So in other words, when you go to get a mortgage and they say, let me see all your assets, doesn't matter if the crypto's in a cold wallet, doesn't matter if it's in Coinbase, doesn't matter if it's in Robinhood, doesn't matter where it is. It's not an asset. It's zero. It's, it's marked to zero. You can have 50 Bitcoins. It's marked to zero by the bank. If you have a bajillion shares of iBit, they're like, oh yeah, BlackRock, we get it. Let's go. T totally, totally get it. And, um, and the things that, 
Signal was talking about is really things of convenience. The flip side of that is um, I have a friend that said, he's just a funny guy. He's like, yeah, I like have this thing buried in my backyard. It's just like, you know, just like if I have a wife someday, but I want to have my own money too. And I was like, well, look, if you're literally burying a box in your backyard to hide money from a future significant other, do I have an asset for you? And it's called Bitcoin, baby. And we're not talking about iBit. We're talking about self-custody Bitcoin. All you got to do is hide a piece of paper in the box or memorize the the 24 words or whatever, right? Anyway, anyway, um, we'll we'll stop on this comment. uh, P.O., on that note, on the um, iBit or or the ETF versus Bitcoin, um, the big thing that I was thinking about is like straight up, the government, if you don't pay your taxes, hypothetically, they can just take that, the ETF shares that you own. That's um, the difference, yes. And that's the big Bitcoiner fear, the, co- the confiscation of Bitcoin by the government, yes. I was watching Obama. Obama was talking, he was <laughs> okay. on an interview, and okay. he was talking about how like, if there is a, basically describing Bitcoin without describing Bitcoin, he was like, the government is going to hate this. They <laughs> hate this because if you're not paying taxes, if you're not giving us the money that we need, we can't do anything about it. We can't take it away from you. Obviously, there's ways they can try to like enforce it. But um, real quick, um, the IRS made a mistake on my taxes. Uh, I paid my taxes late. I filed an extension. And the 2022 taxes, they thought I was paying for 2023. They completely screwed up. Um, but anyways, my parents were out of time. They came back to a bunch of like literally four letters that were like the last one that they said was literally like you have six days to pay your taxes. And if not, we're seizing all of your property, all of your bank accounts, all of your stocks. And I had to sit there with the IRS calling them. And I was on the phone with them for two hours for them to be like, oh, dude, so sorry. We screwed up. They were about to steal. I'll take all my money, even though they screwed up. So it was just wild for me. So seeing the IBIT or the, the ETF versus like Bitcoin thing kind of resonated with me in that way. Well, first of all, you need a new accountant goes without saying that you need a new accountant. I, I just don't even know what to say. Second no, of all, the IRS screwed up. The I, it was the IRS. I know, but your accountant should be just all over that like yeah. a goddamn pit bull. Uh, and the, secondly, I mean, I've said this on my show before. My accountant like literally three or four times has said like anytime the IRS comes up and he wouldn't probably wouldn't want me saying this on a public forum, but every time the IRS comes up, he's just like, and you do not want to have to deal with that because they are a mess over there. He said that exact quote like four times. Like things just get really intense. If he talks about the, he's like, and we are not going to want to go down that road because I'm telling you, they are a mess. Well, it's it's pretty funny. It's pretty funny. Um, Anyway, uh, moving on from this, if we want to close out, easy. We got a crypto pump going on right now. You're somebody that has a mindset or you've had a mindset. You can think like somebody that's looking to execute a short-term trade. It hasn't been how you're operating, and it's why you've been so successful because, again, the only... I don't know, man. My copium bags are down five figures, and every day I wake up just sadder than the previous day. Yeah, you did that. That was that was you. <laughs> Nobody told you to do that. You did that. Um, that was a personal choice, yes. That, that was your choice. But one more quote from Fred Krueger. Bitcoin only goes up literally 10 to 15 days in a calendar year. So those big explosive years where Bitcoin goes from like X to like 5X of whatever the starting price was or 3X or whatever, that happens in incredibly short time frames, right? Today's one day where it went up. So Mark 1 is today is one of the 10 to 15 days. The other days, it, it actually goes down 
It goes sideways and it goes down. But the explosive movements happen 10 to 15 days per year. I do believe a significant portion of our audience is interested in short-term trades. If you were going to do a short-term trade in the next few weeks, what asset would you buy easy? Pull up the say chart. Say! Yeah, pull up the say chart. Check out the say chart. Yeah, there we go. So it's only up 2%. It's If you actually go to the one month, because this is what's most interesting to me. Look at this. What's really interesting about this is it's made a higher low. So if you look at January 24th to where we're taking a look here at February 8th, higher low off of that. And right now what I want to see is an extension past 75 cents, which should open up like open us up to like a 90 cent move, which doesn't sound like much, but we're looking at like a 35 to 40% upside swing in a, in a short time period. And this, I was looking at this chart last night. I couldn't sleep. It was like one in the morning and I was just looking at charts like an absolute piece of shit. Uh, just going through, like I hadn't had time to like really dive in in a while and was like, yeah, why not? So I looked at this, I looked at Celestio and that's the more interesting thing here is I always try to look at the same ecosystem plays where it's like, what is in Cosmos that's rallying? Celestia is over $20. Like this thing is just continued to send and Clemente, can you pull that chart up? Cause that's the one where I'm like, you have these Cosmo ecosystem tokens rallying right now and says a laggard at the moment. So if I'm looking for a play, it's a token that's lagging in an ecosystem that's hot. And Dimension is the one that made it clear that modular blockchains are going to have positive price action. The seed Dimension go from a, it did a 2x from when it was airdropped. I'm like, okay, so right now that narrative's hot, which means that Say's cooling down. Where now I look at Celestia pushing to new all-time highs, and now it makes me think, okay, Say is lagging right now. And I'm very, very interested as like, what's going to happen here? on the cosmos ecosystem like a 40 percent move in my opinion on crypto is great where we're seeing the rest of the ecosystem rally really hard and this one's been lagging but it made a higher low over the last month so i'm like yeah this starts to shape up for me to be like uh, an extension over 75 cents and the bull thesis is validated a push down under 60 cents and we're we're in a bear territory on say but we'll see we got d bristle exclaiming holy hell <laughs> so something that you, I, I don't know I don't know what could have been so exciting. I mean, but hey, D. Brizzle, I'm pumped that you're pumped. Uh, That works for me, for sure. Go ahead, Clemente. Uh, Easy. And what do you make? I don't know if it's just my algorithm. I don't, it's hard for me to like actually decipher noise on Twitter. Um, But these say guys are absolute nut jobs, which (laughs) I usually is a good thing. (laughs) Like you tweet anything about say, any NFT collection, anything about the token, even from the Nifty account. Like you tweet, yo, hey, what do you think of Say? You'll get literally 10,000. The Saiyans are crazy, bro. The Saiyans are crazy. They, they're nonstop. They're, they're everywhere. And uh, they'll let you hear it. They'll let you do absolutely you take hear it. That, do you take that into consideration? You like, have to. Okay. Social sentiment's a huge part of like the entire crypto ecosystem. When the whole space is yelling about something and excited about it, you should do a little more research into it. Like, yeah, you will get the one-off people where someone will chime in and be like, honestly, man, I think you should really consider Pepe token here despite it going completely down and liquidity getting pulled. But I have a huge <laughs> bag of it, so you should start to look at it. And that's just one person. But when you have a thousand people messaging you like, hey, check this out, check this out, check this out, you should probably go take just a quick peek at it. And it was like, this was my thesis with Solano when FTX went down, was you had 5,000 people still bullposting Seoul despite the biggest entity that held it literally going bankrupt. And that was like, for me, like, oh, this isn't leaving. We're just going to have a couple scary months, if not a couple scary years. And I'm going to back up the Brinks truck and see what happens. And say is just as crazy. Is like, that's the thing that was like, you got to look at the larger ecosystem. 
and the Cosmos ecosystem is still hot. Dimension took some of that away because it's a ZK roll-up on an L2 that's EVM-powered, but now I'm still way more interested in the one that's already has active users versus the one that just gave out a bunch of free money in hopes to get those active users. Uh, well, big shout out to D Brizzle with that holy hell comment. Like that charts up six percent. Holy hell! <laughs> you know, big shout out to D Brizzle right there. Uh, well, you heard it, ladies and gentlemen. Looks like uh, Easy is taking a look at the say token. That's going to be our show, ladies and gentlemen. Friday, February 9th, the Nifty Podcast. We will be back on Monday. If it's your first time listening, we do the show Monday through Friday, nine a.m. Eastern time. I've been doing that for two and a quarter years, ladies and gentlemen. Over six hundred and twenty-five total episodes, still going, not stopping. Show is also available for video feed. If you are only listening on Twitter Spaces, be aware that it is a video podcast. You can watch it if you want. It's an option for you. Also available on Apple and Spotify podcast, ladies and gentlemen. If you want to share it with people outside of Twitter, if you want to listen on the go at 1.25, excuse me, 1.25 or 1.5x speed, that's an option as well. Anyway, we really, really appreciate everybody listening. We hope everybody has a great weekend. We hope everyone enjoys this crypto punk a pump and the inevitable Bitcoin rally to all time high happening in 2024. Hope everybody has a great weekend. We will catch you next time. Thanks so much for listening. And